Well, today we get to talk about discovering the hope of Christmas even during uncertainty. You know, we are exploring four themes in this Advent uh, during Christmas time, and it is peace and hope and joy and love. And all of these things are part of Advent because they are part of the things that they were anticipating and longing for. And they're all four things that God gave us. They are gifts from God uh, that he gave us to his people. Uh, Last week we looked at peace. And what we discovered in the midst of looking at that is that God sent us a lamb. A lamb that was spotless and without blemish, and he sent this lamb into the world. And sometimes I think that it's easy to think that when there was no room for him in the inn, that that was really an unfortunate thing. But I truly believe that that was God's plan. I mean, he made it known way before it ever even unraveled that that was going to happen that way. And God wanted to send us a lamb, and he wanted that lamb to be born in a manger or a stable. And he took that little lamb, and he placed that lamb in a food trough, right? And then he went and gathered up some shepherds, because the angels went to a field nearby, proclaimed in an incredible way that what was just transpired, and they had to go and see what this thing was. And so God sends a lamb and he has him born or in a manger, laces him, the mother places him in a food trough, and the angels come, which is so appropriate, right? And the thing is, is that God doesn't do anything without really doing something. And so he's communicating to the world from the very beginning that the lamb has arrived, the one who will take away the sins of the world. And this is something that we know But what we also found out in the midst of talking about that last week is that this lamb was to grow up and to be a sacrifice, and the purpose of that was to so that we could have peace. You see, we would not have peace with God if it wasn't for this lamb being our offering, our sacrifice. And that's why the Old Testament calls him the Prince of Peace, to take away the sins of the world. And so we have peace with God. You know, we could, we could have moments of relief, I think, but no way could we ever really truly experience peace without God bringing peace into the world. And so God has delivered this. It's a gift. Today we get to look into a little further into Luke's account, and we're going to look at Simeon and Anna and what they help us understand. Simeon and Anna show us how to keep hope alive in uncertainty. You know, during the time of Simeon and Anna, the, the time that they were living, it was not a very fun time to be living. There was just so much brutality and just animosity and, and so much just worry and anxiety, especially if you were one of God's people, one of the Israelites, one of the Jewish people. And the Israelites had a long experience with this uh, uncertainty in their life, right? Because before the, the Greeks and the Romans who were in charge at the time, before them it was the Syrians and the Babylonians that took his people captive. And so for hundreds of years, these people have been captive and been mistreated and been oppressed. And they long for God to deliver them in some way. 
And so they would pray about this, but it never would come. And I don't know about you, but 10 years of uncertainty seems like eternity, right? But these people have been living in hundreds and hundreds of years of uncertainty and not having the deliverance that they were hoping from their God. And and it just seems like hope has a hard time just hanging on when there's so much duration of uncertainty in our lives. But the Messiah, that's what was promised. You know, they knew that thousands of years ago the Messiah was promised through Abraham. But he has not appeared. He's not come. And they were having a hard time hanging in there. You don't really know what it is like to long for hope unless you are hopeless. I think it's in the moments and the times that we are the most hopeless in our lives that that we begin to really understand what really hope does. I want to read to you about a time that it was pretty hopeless. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation had been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who, are, who have the first fruits of the Spirit groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. And he says something pretty important. You can see the intensity and the longing and the, just the, the hope that they would be delivered. But he says, now, this is hope. Now, now in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You tell me about the darkest experience that you have ever had in life, and I will tell you the, the greatest encounter that you have had with hope. Because it is in the midst of that dark experience that you have an encounter with hope, like nothing else. The Israelites and the religious leaders of the day were looking for the promised Messiah, but the Messiah was not come. Until Jesus came. But before Jesus came, there was just a longing in them. It was like they were just constantly crying out, How long, oh God, are you going to let us be treated like this? You know, hope can die out. Or at least it can really diminish. It can come to a place where the only thing it seems like that there is is just maybe a little ember underneath the surface somewhere. Just enough to keep you wanting to see something. I've been praying for a very good friend of mine and his wife. And this good friend of mine has just been waylaid, clobbered over the head 
by life. It just seems like they cannot get things moving. He was a preacher at one time. And he really had some difficulties in the midst of that. One thing led to another, and he just felt, he and his wife felt abandoned by the church. That's a pretty dark place to be, let me tell you, if you feel abandoned by the church. But they did, and they struggled with it for a long time. Then he got some health issues. And these health issues were pretty severe, severe enough that it, it left him down and out, not having to be able to hold down a job or do anything, just trying to recover. And it took several years of recovery. And finally, in the midst of, we, we would talk often, but in the midst of this, he finally got to where he was starting to put out applications and you know, resumes and, and different things of that sort. And some things were starting to, with hope, take place. And they just get this glimmer of, you know, thoughts that maybe climbing up this hill from the valley, maybe there's a top up there, and maybe we're starting to see some daylight through the trees. And then his wife gets cancer. And it's almost as if life just said, no, I don't think so, and just slammed him right back down into the valley. Try again. And I just, I marvel that there's still hope there. But there is. But let me tell you something, it is tough. Hope has a way of really diminishing in the midst of things like that, when things that severe come our way. They just leave you wondering, is there really a top up there? You know, can you really get over this? And in verse 24, it says, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. There are times in our lives, though, that patience run thin, right? We just can't seem to handle this anymore. And it just seems like it is, there's just not much there. The, were the embers of hope of a Messiah all gone? And the answer is no. There was still an ember there. In fact, they even had names. Simeon and Anna. I want to tell you their story. It's in Luke chapter 2. Starting with verse 22. And when the time came for the purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought up him up, meaning Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons... Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus, Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. 
he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you have let your servant depart. Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is, that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You know, Simeon and Anna were strategically placed in the path of Joseph and Mary and this little child Jesus, right? They didn't just happen to come along. They were there for a very specific reason. And they were strategically placed to by God to rekindle hope in these people and the people around, and even to us today. You see, the question that I want to ask you before we look too deep into the story is this, this. Where has God strategically placed you to rekindle hope for somebody else? He has put you in a very specific place to be somebody's voice of hope. This Christmas, someone out there is longing, just like they were longing. Someone out in your life is longing for something, somebody just to bring me a little glimpse of hope. Do you know suicides are on the rise in our country? I'm amazed at the young people that are struggling. And we might just be that person that God has strategically placed in another person's life. And I just want you to be thinking about that as we walk through this. You know, Simeon was moved by the Spirit to come to the temple and to just blow a little bit of wind into this little ember to try to get something going. And then you have Anna, who is just like the seasoned hedge that is just ready to just start a fire that is nothing like anything else. They were torches of hope, expecting God to fulfill what he had promised and to let everybody know about it. They were ready to see God act and do great things. And let me just ask you this, church, are you ready to see God act and do great things? I mean, people who are ready are ready to move. People who are ready, they're just like, God, here I am. Just love, what, you, what do you want me to do? And are you ready 
to see God move in a great way, like Simeon and Anna, just waiting, waiting, and waiting for God to just say, go. You see, Simeon and Anna reveal some key things, I think, about hope and things that we can take away today and really apply to our Christmas experience. And the first one is, is that hope sees beyond the present. Hope sees beyond the present. You see, hope is the fuel of faith. It's the fuel of, like, our dreams and our possibilities of how things can be. It's like, it's like the, the flicker of light in the morning, you know, how that just brings a whole new day and a whole new sense of hope. It's a spark that ignites a blazing fire is what hope is. That's what it was intended to be for. No matter how bad life is, you should know that there is an ember that is just setting there to, to move its way into our hearts and, and to cause us to not give up. So no, so no matter how bad your problems are, your struggles that you're facing, no matter you know, what kind of season of darkness that you're having, what you need to know is that you're not alone and that God is with you. And that is where hope resides, right? Is the moment that you realize that God is with us. Hope chases away darkness and uncertainty. It just, it can't reside there, just like darkness can't reside with light. Hope is alive because Jesus is with us, or God is with us. Let me read this to you in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus came... Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now you can imagine that Joseph's situation, Right? He found the girl of his dreams. They had all these plans for a year. He's been building a house and whatever he was getting ready and preparing. And next thing he knows, she's pregnant. And all of his dreams went away and all of his hope just diminished. And he's trying to figure out how is he going to salvage anything in this situation. And so it's a pretty hard place to be in. But an angel comes and says this to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for, what, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bore a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. What is it that the Lord spoke to the prophet thousands of years before? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. We really need to get that fixed, don't we? <laughs> Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel stands for? It's right there, isn't it? It means God with us. You see, no matter how bleak life seems, there's always enough to get it going and to, and to produce a fire once again. Because God is with us. 
Hope is alive because God is with us. Do you remember all the times that Jesus would say, Oh, you of little faith. I mean, I was just thinking about this the other day. And one of them is, is where they were out on the, the sea and this huge storm came up and there was this, it, it was about to overtake them. They knew that there, it was going to be a peril, like their life was going to end. This is the last night that they have on earth. They wake up Jesus and they say, Do you not even care that we're going to perish? And what does Jesus do? He gets up, he calms the storm, and then he turns to me and he says, Oh, you a little faith, why do you doubt? You see, they had a hard time seeing beyond the present. And that's somewhat of an issue that we can have if we're not careful. But hope sees beyond the present. And Jesus didn't see why they had the fear of anything. It's, it's the same thing that, that Jesus also encounters with Mary and Martha, you know, after they find out that Lazarus, their brother, is dead, and Jesus comes down the road, and, oh, you're too late, Jesus. Why didn't you come earlier? But Jesus can see beyond. And, of course, he raises Lazarus, and they are all excited. But this is, this is what hope needs. It needs to be able to see beyond And let me tell you something, that the fact that God is with us gives us all the reason to be able to see beyond any situation that comes our our way. Here's the second thing I think that we can take away from this, and that is that we are all meant to be a voice of hope to someone. And we've already kind of touched on this. But I want to really drive this home. See, both Simeon and Anna were elderly people. And I don't know, elderly, maybe that was 40 back then. I don't know. And it really doesn't matter so much, but I just, what I, reason I want to point that out, though, is they were seasoned people. They were mature people. They have been around long enough that they've seen a lot of different things. And they still have this faithfulness to God. They were still very much plugged into the movements of God in their lives. And they are the perfect people to make sure that there is hope in every situation. These people could easily see beyond the present, right? You know, during times of fear, we look towards mature people in the faith to speak hope into our lives. I'll give you a quick example that's a, that happened this last week. My little granddaughter, Mesa, got really sick. She was sick for quite a while for pretty close to a week. And turns out she had influenza A, right? And she kind of had these symptoms that kind of, instead of getting them all at once, she just kind of got them in little stages. And Carrie is a nurse. And Carrie works in the OB department. Carrie is a nurse that works in the OB department, so she's very qualified to take care of sick kids. In fact, she's usually the one that is constantly giving hope to the moms. Everything's going to be okay. This is all normal, blah, blah, blah. But Carrie calls her mom in the midst of Lori teaching school. And of course, she takes it. And here's this mom that is a little bit frantic about, you know, I don't know why is she sick, you know, and stuff like this. And her mom, who is not a nurse, but she has maturity. And she has experience. And she's been that place that Carrie has gone for a lot of years, you know, with just give me some hope. And of course, whatever Lori said, I don't know what she said, but it made everything feel much better. You see, that's just what we do spiritually, isn't it? We all do it. 
when uncertainty or difficulty or trying times come into our life, what do we do? First thing we do is we try to find somebody who is more mature, or maybe not more mature, but just mature enough to know how to handle life's uncertainties, and we look for them to give us a glimmer of hope. Don't we do this? Who are those people in your life? And don't you know that you are one of those people in somebody's life? You are. Last week, Carrie was reading about a grandpa who lost his granddaughter, Athena, in a very tragic thing. A FedEx guy ends up murdering his seven-year-old granddaughter. And in the midst of his pain, in the midst of, I mean, the very few days after this, he writes this lengthy thing that Carrie read. And it's so powerful, but just about how that hate and unforgiveness will just destroy you. And he chooses Jesus and chooses to forgive. And he wants peace for his family. And, you know, he does an amazing job. I can't help but think that only a man who has felt the presence of God for a long period of time could write such a thing in the detail that he writes it with the maturity he writes it but here's what I know is that his family must look to him for a glimmer of hope in the midst of that right just a glimmer of hope seeing beyond the present some people are just good at delivering hope but I know God is, the, God is the giver of hope. We have no hope without him giving it to us. But we are the deliverers of that hope often. Not always, but often. And who is it that God has placed in your life to come alongside and to offer hope? Here's the third thing and the last thing. Uh, one more thought. I want you to notice the location I think that is pretty important as well. And that is just simply this. Hope was meant to be experienced in the assembly, like what we are experiencing right now. Every time we get together, there should be this sense of hope. We should be leaving with hope in our lives, being able to see beyond, being rubbing shoulders side by side with people who are those people, those mature people in the faith that, that give us a glimmer of hope. The temple is really important. Why? Because it belongs to God, I guess, right? I mean, we are his church, and I'm not talking about this building, but we belong to him. We are his. And it's important to him that some of these major announcements of his, what he has brought to the world be announced in the assembly, in his place. I mean, why, why, did, why couldn't it just been done on the way to church, so to speak? You know, Simeon, stop him alongside the road. Hey, I want to tell you something. See, last week we saw that God was orchestrating something. God was the one who went out to the shepherds and brought them to the manger. It was his plan, right? It was God's plan to place this child, this newborn baby, 
in a feed trough in a manger instead of some other place. God orchestrated the whole thing. And today I want you to see that he is orchestrating something here too. You see, Simeon and Anna are at the temple, and I don't think it is by accident that they are there. In fact, I know it is, and it's, it's very apparent, but maybe not quite as apparent with Anna, although I think it is. But God is all about symbolism and signs and fulfilling prophecy. And all of this plays into that. The temple of God needs pillars of hope. Do you agree, church? And Anna had been a pillar of this temple for years. She is married for seven short years, became a widow, and for the rest of her life, which was many, many years, she has been in the church, faithfully praying and fasting and being a pillar for everybody to see. She never left the temple, but worshiped, the scripture says, worship night and day, fasting and praying. And God guided Simeon there by the Spirit of God. For in verse 27, it says, Moved by the Spirit, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Anytime it says moved by the Spirit, you know that something significant is happening because when the Spirit is moving you to do something or go somewhere, there's something important that needs to take place, right? And anytime God steps in and moves someone to change a course or to head a certain direction, we ought to pay attention to what is fixing to take place. And when there he was moved to go into this place, then we have to know that this place was pretty significant in and of itself. And they were at the temple. The temple should have pillars of hope. The church should be a beacon of hope to everyone who comes, but everyone who is outside too. They should see that that is an that is important place in our community. They're doing important work. They give us hope. A lot of important things happen in the assembly that shines hope. We have preaching and we have communion and we rub shoulders with each other. Let me just demonstrate it by reading this to you in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and their prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. The Lord added their number day by day those who are being saved. Now, doesn't that sound like an amazing location to be a part of? And that's what the assembly is ought to be about. It should be a beacon of hope and of, and of fellowship and of having things in common and coming together and, and helping one another out. They were, 
taking care of one another, encouraging one another. And this is what Simeon and Anna brought. Hope in the midst of uncertainty. And all we need is these three things. We just have to be able to see beyond the present. And you do, church, right? This isn't all that we have. We always have Jesus. And everything is always eternal. And you have to know that he has placed you, significantly placed you in the midst of somebody this Christmas season to speak hope into. Whether it's a kid, whether it's a parent, whether it's a coworker, I don't know. But if you're looking, I guarantee he will let you know. So just be looking like Simeon and Anna were looking. And know that when we come together like this, this is such a, a very important time for us to receive hope ourselves. This is where we proclaim it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for life that we have in Jesus. We know, Father, that we are up to something because you are up to something. We know, Father, that you are wanting to use us just like you have planned out how to use Simeon and Anna. I know that they saw the importance of it, and I pray, Father, that you would help us see the importance of it. Father, we pray for those you have put in our path, those that we are encountering right now or going to encounter to be able to spread just a little bit of hope. We pray for those conversations, and we pray, Father, that you would use us in a powerful way to let them know about Jesus that gives us the ability to always see beyond the present. Father, I just pray that uh, you would bless this season of hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.